Hi, I'm Christopher Morales. Welcome to Adjusting Frequencies, a Cornell Media Guild podcast where I interview alumni from the Cornell Media Guild, including WBBR, CornellRadio.com, and Electric Buffalo Records in Ithaca, New York. Here's today's featured interview. Mr. Michael Dawson, thank you so much for joining me on Adjusting Frequencies, the Cornell Media Guild podcast. As you know, uh, I'm trying to collect some stories from Cornell Media Guild alumni and just seeing what was the world like back then, if they can paint a picture. I understand uh, just a lot of history to talk about and, and I greatly appreciate your appearance here. Let's just get right into it. Um, what years were you active with VBR? Any specific roles, positions you held? And I think the most important question, which studio locations did you experience? Uh, I started in spring of 1970, uh, I'm sorry, 1980. I was a freshman. Uh, it was my second semester and started uh, with the spring training campaign that they had uh, to bring folks in. Saw one of the flyers around with a great spring training that they had going on. Mm-hmm. So went down to Linden Avenue. We were at 227 Linden Avenue for the duration of my tenure there. Uh, fantastic location, you know, spooky old big building. And there's, <laughs> there are a ton of stories about, you know, all the things that went on in that building in terms of uh, uh, the, the structure, the renovations, the improvements, the studios, but started in uh, the spring of 1980 and went through uh, 19, uh, summer 1984, actually, uh, mm-hmm. when I left and then came to Boston. So um, started out in the jock training program there, as a lot of folks did. You know, that was a great experience um, working in the AM studio, learning how to do stuff um, completely on a whim, had no interest in, you know, radio per se other than to constantly listen to it and uh you know music and concerts and whatnot but had no you know i was a geology major at the time so Mm. i had really no you know just it was it was a complete whim and it was one of those decisions one of those moments in time that you look back at that changes your life forever you know the, the consequences of making that one decision to go to that one open house training meeting was that divergence in the road that went from being uh, potentially a geologist and going through that and doing whatever that career path was and that lifestyle mm-hmm. to moving on to radio and then uh, transitioning to video and film and working as a, in my rest of my career for 35 years as a film and video editor. And so, and what that meant in terms of, you know, you know, what my life has gone. So you can honestly say that one decision, that one moment, and quite honestly, I was probably trying to avoid doing some homework to go to the open house. <laughs> Um, and then sticking with it. Um, so that was where it started. Those were the time frames. It was Linden Avenue and it was, it was great. So what was the conversation like talking with your parents, talking with your professors and saying, you know, leaving geology a little bit more behind to go invest in, in media instead? That was uh, challenging. Uh, really? That was very, very challenging. That was a, that was a, that was a difficult time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to say, coming from a family of scientists, engineers, you know, uh, and having, making that transition from a, uh, a scientific sort of background geology uh, into broadcasting communications, um, when the, when the segue was made for that, mm-hmm. uh, those were some, those were some challenging conversations. Uh, I mean, fortunately, it has worked out well. You know, uh, I, you know, I have you know, a gainful career and a, a great life as a result of it. And um, as far as my parents are concerned, I think they're 95% happy that I did that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll focus on the 95. We'll yeah. always forget about <laughs> exactly. that five. And we're very happy to have you around. Um, I want to, I've been asking all the alumni to kind of come in with a big story, some memorable moments that they have, whether it was a, a challenge story, a success story, maybe a, a particular mentor that comes to mind with their experiences at VBR. What do you think deserves to go down into the history books? 
Wow. Well, first of all, how much time have you got? Because honestly, this could take hours, <laughs> hours days of conversation. So we'll try. I'm asking for maybe maybe one or two. What do we got? Okay. Here? Well, a couple a couple of key moments. First of all, the transition time in the early '80s. Um, the studio had been built by some amazing folks in the, the you know when they transitioned out of Willard Strait and into Linden Avenue. They mm -hmm. constructed the studios and they were really impressive when you first walked in there. And so it was a continuation of that. So from the primary air studios and news booth and, and newsrooms, um, we continued to grow there. Um, you know, I was instrumental in trying to help build out. Um, not that I have an, an engineering background, but doing some work um, over the summertime. You know, I lived there and worked in the summer at the station. Was pretty much there 24/7 um year round um even over breaks doing shifts but mm -hmm. uh building out the production studios working to help you know that we had uh, these rooms that we turned into various production rooms um you know there was attempts to work on uh uh improving the black hole and the white hole were the two large areas that were like the pits where we put stuff and there's a lot of great stories about involvement there there was the downstairs of the building which um had many iterations and many plans. You can ask some other folks about the plans for the Linden apartments that we were thinking about putting in. Um, a lot of conversations about you know, what was happening with the building. So it was a time of transition physically for the building and for the studios. And we brought a lot of people in. It was also a time of transition uh, musically and business-wise and how we could work uh, as a self-sustaining uh, organization to uh, earn enough money to keep the operation going to compete with the other radio stations in town mm -hmm. and what that meant on a financial level. You know, so we were training, but there was a time when I was out there, um, did a lot of production, which is what kind of led me into videos, editorial being an editor. Um, but where was a lot of, I did sales uh, also and working with the sales team and what that meant in terms of being involved with the, um, with the community uh, and the competition and what it really meant because it provided quite a bit of tension and some of it was creative tension that had positive results mm -hmm. um, but it was tension within the station in terms of formatting and mm -hmm. how we were going to you know present ourselves to the community you know we you know we had ICB on the other hill you know that was a college station and all that that meant and competing against them in terms of you know trying to you know still have students come in and want to be here and, and you know had some uh, process and some regu you know, I don't want to say regulations, but it has a way of doing things to be a commercial station and then the competing structure. with, yeah, structure and then competing with the other commercial stations in order to, you know, make the money to be self-sustaining while at the same time providing an environment that was, you know, fun that mm -hmm. allowed for learning and career growth. I mean, you, you obviously have seen from all the response from the alumni, the amazing amount of talent that came through, uh, WVBR. The, the talent is incredible uh, on all facets, whether it's a news person, a sports person, a disc jockey, um, an engineer, whatever it may be, folks that have come through there and have, you know, uh, grown as a result of their experience there is incredible. But in order to sustain that, there was challenging times there. Um, from, a, you know, it was a transition from kind of with the album oriented rock of the late 70s, you know, and the, the sound that that had to a more top 40 style rock and roll and, and that went in the mid 80s. The change of musical tastes, you know, that was the, you know, really the beginning of the third wave. You know, you had a lot of the stuff of the, the new wave coming in um, and then you had a lot of pop. So there was a lot of, you know, um, creative uh, conversation going on about the direction of the station. Um, I think that the people that came through, I can, you know, speaking to mentors, um, you know, I speak to a lot of people that have, have gone through there. Of course, I would be remiss to not mention on the, you know, the, some of the folks that were provided stability throughout the time. 
the alumni that came back and were involved in uh, training in the guild, uh, mm -hmm. board of directors, um, folks that were still there that had been, you know, been there for a while, um, you know, folks like Phil Shapiro, you know, you cannot have WVBR without having Phil Shapiro, you mm -hmm. know, and, and what he meant in terms of stability um, to, you know, help be an anchor for the whole station to keep it, you know, steady and, and, and on course. Um, you had some engineers, you know, the great John B. Hill, you know, that provided a lot of knowledge and a lot <laughs> and a lot of, again, um, sort of continuity for the many generations that came through. You had folks that are still there now. Uh, I think of John Rudan, a good friend of mine mm -hmm. who was an Ithaca townie, but he was already a senior member when he was just, you know, what, 20, 20 years old, 22 years old, you know, leading the station and what it meant for the music selections and going on there. You had the news folks that came through there, you know, obviously um, some, you know, Keith Obermans that just preceded our, you know, classes mm -hmm. and the folks that came through. So there's a lot of people that provided a lot of, uh, uh, as you were saying, mentorship and guidance um, through their, um, you know, not all of them went on to careers inside the industry as well, but it was a, it was a great point in their lives where they provided a lot of, you know, uh, mentorship. So I think that the, the folks that came through VBR um, were, were incredible and mm -hmm. they made the station just a very dynamic and vibrant place to be. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, you weren't kidding, first of all, when you said you can go for hours about talking about VBR. <laughs> to track back on a few things. Sorry. So I, I I love the mention of ICV. And the only reason why is because cards on the table. I did spend my freshman year at ICV. And um, with, uh, I said, I'm college. sorry, you're breaking up there. You're I'm sorry, I can't hear you. You're breaking up. What? You did what? I said my freshman year. I was I, <laughs> <busting on> you. <laughs> wow. So that's really what the tension was back then. Yes. No, I mean, look. It was a it was a good time. I was there just for my freshman year. Uh, I was doing news primarily, and it uh -huh. kind of worked out in the end yeah. because yes. when I had adapted um, coming into doing news at VBR, we didn't have a news department, so I, I pulled the structure that they had and and tried implementing and adapting it for VBR. And mm -hmm. at the very least, I'm proud to say we're still here and we're still trying to make news happen. So yep. happy that uh, the people who followed me were able to continue building on that structure. Um, I, I want to point out that we, I want to interrupt for one second there. We did actually have a great competitive relationship with ICB, but we also welcomed members of the ICB community in, and we right. had several great and talented folks that joined us um, mm -hmm. and you know had their own brought their own flavor to the station. There's a lot of great folks that came over from ICB uh, and worked with us and have gone on to fantastic careers, and they really did provide. It was nice to have a, a different perspective. Um, and and allow for different creativity in there. So the, the folks coming over from ICB, you were not the first. I'm sorry to say there was <laughs> there were plenty back in my day as well. Well, what we're wild card acquisitions, you know. I think I think you guys had the top pick, the top picks exactly. in the draft. Um, I want to get into this idea about the, the the challenges in terms of the creative direction, though. That's actually sure. not something that that I usually hear about. Usually hear, uh, oh, well, you know, we're restarting a department, we're we're changing studios. Creative direction, what exactly did you mean by that? And was there a particular way that you were advocating for that maybe hmm. was implemented in some ways or in other ways was kind of left at the door? Sure. There's, um, I think that you, as you go through societal changes, I mean, obviously the station had a big one when it went from classical music into rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I can't speak to the history of, you know, when the station was at Willard Strait and all the things that were going on there. Um, I think that there are times when 
musical tastes change, obviously, and then the, the people coming in and working at the station, the turnover you have, provide different impetus. And I'm sure there have been those conversations over the years about, mm -hmm. you know, do we focus on this type of music or that type of music? How do we present ourselves and things like that? I think the transitions that we had uh, going from an album oriented rock and roll type format to a more of a, I'm going to just say top 40. It wasn't exactly top 40, like you think of an AM station, but mm -hmm. a more pop music type of scenario. I think that some of the, you know, the challenges were there, they had different uh, pieces of opinion and how, and how it should work, uh, whether it should happen. Uh, you have to remember that this is a time when, when, uh, you know, Michael Jackson and, and was becoming super popular and, and what it meant, you know, in there and, and what pop music was at that time um, and combined, you know, then, where it was changing away from rock and roll and, and a variety of different things. And, you know, as a member of the staff, we were working on a variety of different things that were trying to keep that, um, you know, do we keep continuity and keep going or do we make changes? Mm -hmm. And it led for lively conversation, you know, and it was good. I think in the long run, I think it was a, it was a great, um, you need dynamic uh, energy, you need creative energy. And I think that it's always helpful to have that. And I think it was, it provided growth and change. The station should never become stagnant. You never want it to be just the same old, same old. Um, and, you know, the perspective of over the years, you know, looking back, I think it was very positive to see dynamic change and to see people, you know, bringing different viewpoints into it and, and say, let's go off and, you know, let's try something different. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. So I think it worked out really well. No, well, I really echo that sentiment because I think it was a big conversation in terms of the last three years where we transitioned from classic rock to Ithaca's alternative. Yep. And um, some people felt like that format change was just very abrupt. And I don't know, I, I can't attest to whether we were completely ready for it or not. And, and maybe I felt like as a general manager, we were uh, adjusting ourselves just a little bit more. But fortunately, it led to playing a lot more local artists in this genre, certainly a huge rise in our digital content. And just in general, the, the innovation of being in the 21st century, that's why I'm happy that we can invest in these other uh, spaces, not necessarily just exclusive to FM. So sure. uh, really big echoing on that idea. Um, I want to transition a little bit to a uh, bit of a break here, kind of a, a speed round of uh, personality questions <laughs> and just seeing how you would reply. Um, yep. I'm going to preface the first one by saying that this can be, you can, uh, I feel like it's terrible saying you can age yourself, but think about if you were back then as a student, I think that's a better way to put it. Uh, just because the first time I'd asked the question, they're like, oh, does that have to be a modern day? No, this is pretty much to you, to your yep. memory, whatever you feel is the first yep. uh, response that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure thing. All right. Best bar or restaurant in Ithaca to hang out at? There are, there are too many to say because they are different types and for different moods and, and <laughs> venues. For going for music, uh, I would say The Haunt down on Green right. Street because yeah. of a variety of music. I also work there on occasions, uh, spinning records, you know, part of, uh, you know, uh, that thing. So I would spin records there. The Haunt was great for music. Um, mm -hmm. I think for a nice uh, drinking establishment where you go and have a little bit more casual feeling. I love um, going to Ruloff's, you know, Ruloff's was great. Um, but then, you know, even places like the Rongo out in Trumansburg, uh, you could have a classy joint, like, you know, the Palms downtown. You could, but honestly, I think my go-to place would have been the Royal Palms right there on you know, Dryden Road. It was there for eons and eons. And it, it was a dive and the best way of a dive bar. So, <laughs> Number one choice would be Royal Palms, ultimately. All right. Well, good choice. Somebody else did mention that previously. Uh, which <laughs> shift are you signing up for? Morning drive, afternoon drive, or graveyard shift? I, 
would say probably graveyard shift. Graveyard shift. Yeah, graveyard shift. Because that still allowed us the greatest amount of flexibility in terms of music choices and experimentation. Mm-hmm. Even though we did have a bit of structure and we followed a playlist and day parting and things like that at that time, um, it did allow for uh, greater musical expression um, mm-hmm. in those things. And uh, as you can tell from my voice, I'm not really suited for morning drive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, really quickly, uh, follow up from that. How, what was the trek like for you? Where were you coming from? Uh, from? Was it a dorm or off-campus housing? Where were you going from to get to the studio? Uh, freshman year was uh, from North Campus. Uh, I was in Claire Dixon freshman year. And then uh, sophomore year, I was down on Lower Stewart. So I had to hike up the hill. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then from uh, my... Um, junior, senior, and <clears throat> extra year, um, I was uh, right there on Dryden Road, just uh, about uh, about uh, 300 yards from the station. Okay, so not too terrible. All right, so, you know, that's fair. You can pick up a graveyard shift, be, yep. be back in bed before uh, sunrise. Yep. Um, which ones are you playing on your shift? Tapes, vinyl, CDs, or digital files? Uh, it was uh, 90% of it was uh, was records, was vinyl, mm-hmm. um, you know, off of albums. We had the occasional uh, stuff carted up. Uh, we had a couple of carts uh, back in those days. Those were those tapes that looked sort of like eight tracks, but they weren't exactly eight tracks, but mm-hmm. they were carts. I don't know if you guys still have those. Um, and uh, we had a few songs that were, you know, that was the only place you could find them. You know, we had Lee Michaels on there and a, a version of Bruce Springsteen. So uh, I would say 98% of our stuff was vinyl. All right. Well, I'm saying which one would you want to make sure if you had to produce a show, which one are you playing? You're going to stick. Oh, I would still, I would, I still like, you know, a a quality turntable and a quality long playing record. I still think sounds better than a CD or especially MP3s. I can't, I don't, you know, given a choice, I'd rather play vinyl. All right. Well, uh, kind of as a follow up to then the next question, name a band or artist you would refuse to play during your shift. Journey. (laughs) Is there a particular reason why? hate them just hate them hate their voice hate everything about them but i would still play them because i was you know if it came up on my playlist i had to play like you know the latest one but i couldn't stand them of course i also had to you know refrain from overplaying other bands too so 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 what would be one of those uh bands you would have to refrain from overplaying the dead the dead i was a deadhead Uh, not a full deadhead but i was a i was a a two-thirds deadhead Good answer. Good answer. And then the last question here is name a VBR alum you would have loved to have worked with that didn't match up with your years. There is a lot. I really have to say there's a lot of talent there. Um, I don't unfortunately know as many of the folks after me so much like yourself or people in the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I missed um, I missed really working with um, some of the the uh, newscasters that were that preceded me. Um, you know, Keith Olbermann, Stacey Kahn, um, uh, even Glenn Cornelius, uh, you know, folks like that. There were just ahead of me that I heard a lot about, but they had graduated before I got there. So let me just say, um, I think Glenn Cornelius, mm-hmm. I would have liked to have worked with him. Excellent choice. And um, that's pretty much the, the wrap up of the speed rounds that I have. I guess just uh, the second to last question is, and I think you alluded to this previously already, but I think one thing that's so special about um, VBR and the Cornell Media Guild is that all the students that come here, as you said, we're kind of adjusting to a structure. We're trying to have fun along the way, but in, in some essence, it's also business. We have to compete with other radio stations in the yep. market. Um, just what would you say in terms of what do you think was the biggest lesson that you learned while being here that you were able to apply going into you know your future professional career? Um, I think that the, the the some of the professional skills that I learned um, about you know working with people it was you know sometimes you know you come in as a teenager and honestly you don't have 
the skill set to be able to deal with other people on a on, on business levels, perhaps, you know, mm-hmm. it's not the way you've been, you know, brought up working on, you know, either, you know, the jobs that you had or in classrooms or on sports teams or whatever, but working with folks in, in a business environment, having to go out and sell airtime, being on the mm-hmm. sales team and selling radio airtime is super challenging. Uh, and to be able to learn how to be professional, how to be a, a salesperson, um, certain uh, other, you know, relationship building within the station. It was, you know, it, sometimes it's a bumpy road working with other people who have honestly have other egos and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a lot to be learned there. Um, I also just simply learned the mechanics of editing. And that's what I do in my career now. So I would actually spend a lot of hours in there with a razor blade and, you know, quarter inch audio tape and just cut stuff on the audio tape, you know, on the tape machines mm-hmm. and make, you know, spots, you know, on the air. And it, I loved editing. And so using that editorial is how I really you know work with my career now. Um, but I think learning professionalism as a young adult, as a 19 year old or 20 year old or whatever was key. Mm-hmm. Well, these are these team bonding activities, even having to navigate past egos, anyone in particular that stands out to you in terms of an experience you had? Um, well, I think my mentor there that I, I learned a lot about, you know, just being a professional disc jockey from was Dave Blackwood. So I think mm-hmm. Dave Blackwood, he was uh, a training uh, instructor and music director, um, great knowledge of music and, and how to do stuff and how to be a disc jockey uh, was great. Um, and actually, I think working with Phil Shapiro in the sales front, Phil mm-hmm. was, uh, in addition to working with, you know, Bound for Glory, was also working in sales and, and instrumental in bringing sales in and doing production. And his ability to teach me how to do a sales call, how to, you know, present appropriately when you're calling on somebody in that, in that realm. Again, when you're 19 or 20 years old, it's invaluable experience. So I think that Phil was actually very, you know, very invaluable in doing that. Um, and I think there's a, you know, a lot of folks that had a lot of influence and I learned a ton from, but those two stick out for me. Oh man, see, that sounds so much better than me just taking uh, lessons from the previous GM to me at TJ Hurd. I just took my guys out for a karaoke night and we just uh, had a fun time there. Well, that, hey, you know, you can learn a lot of different stuff singing karaoke. Like, for example, <laughs> I learned I should never sing karaoke. <laughs> well, do you have a go-to song? Or, or what, do you, did you remember doing karaoke with anybody? Uh, I did once, and the boos were so loud that they reverberated. <laughs> and I learned, like I said, never do that again. And so I'm the only person that's not allowed to sing happy birthday at a birthday party. Well, I'll, that, that I'll, I'll tell you this next symposium that we can all have in person, you are openly invited and I will make sure that we put karaoke in the schedule and, and microphones coming to you, my friend. That's great. And that'll, I'll be the last one when you need to clear the bar out. <laughs> it's like, okay, time to go home, everybody. <laughs> That'll be me. <laughs> well, I greatly appreciate it. Just the one final question. It's really just an open mic for you yeah. in terms of if you have a message to the students, to the alumni, just anybody casually listening to uh, the podcast here, just Anything that you got to say? Um, let's see. To the alumni who uh, that I knew and worked with, um, you know, 35 years and more, 40 years, honestly, have gone by. Um, and there's still a ton of fond memories. Um, and I learned so much. That it uh, was, you know, had a real positive impact on my life um, and learned a lot of, of stuff there. That was great. I would not trade the experience for anything. It was a fantastic experience. Uh, for the students who are going, you know, hopefully, you know, going through there now, um, you know, I think the experience is different. I think that that you have got uh, so many other avenues, just like doing a podcast. Even what you're doing now is something, it was, you know, completely 
outside of our even our imagination at the time. So doing things like this, the growth and experience you can learn with a variety of expressions and mediums that you have now beyond just being on the air is amazing. Um, and you know, make use of that. And I would, like you hear, it sounds like a broken record that and some old fart like myself always says to the young folks, live it and enjoy it for what you've got right now. Experience it all try different things you know um when you're at the station learn different pieces of music different types of music learn different skills you know it just it's it's a fantastic experience and i would just make the make the most of it at the station well i appreciate it great words of positivity mr michael dawson thank you so much for joining me at this time thank you very much i can't wait to see how this all comes out no nah, i can't wait either we're gonna see <laughs> <laughs> all thank right you. good luck with it all and and congratulations and and uh godspeed thank you Tune in next time to Adjusting Frequencies, a Cornell Media Guild podcast. You can follow the Cornell Media Guild on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're an alum, feel free to drop us a line in the Facebook alumni group or email alumni at wvbr.com. This is Christopher Morales signing off.